Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you, thank you, David, Pastor David, for sharing with us this morning. Um, you know, David, as it, was, as it was mentioned, grew up in this church, and so it is really a blessing and a privilege to be able to support his ministry and to hear, just briefly, I know there's so much more for him to say, um, but just to hear briefly about what God is doing uh, in, in East L.A., and in other parts of our city, other parts of you know, our community, and to hear different types of people and different ethnicities and different groups coming to the Lord and finding Jesus real in their life. Um, so thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Um, I just want to welcome you here this morning. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for watching online. And uh, for those, that, those of you that are here, just want to ask you, how do you like the shade? Right? Right? Let's, yeah, that's just, um, you know, today's a little bit cooler, but I can, I can still tell, you know, it's going to get warm, and uh, I guess we shouldn't be living here, right, if we don't like warm, um, and so at least the sun isn't beating, right, directly down on us, and so I think this is, this is a wonderful blessing. I know it was uh, a huge project. It, it took a monumental effort. And so I want to uh, give thanks uh, to Pastor Corey and Andrew, I think, who organized, uh, organized all of these things. But I know that uh, Eric Aguero, uh, Kylie, um, Susan Trong, uh, I hope I'm not missing anybody, uh, you know, helped put this up this past week. And, and it took a lot of effort. You can see that these are three pieces. If you look up at the tarp, uh, three separate pieces that they had to tie together. They tied those pieces together first to stitch, you know, this, this one large piece. Uh, then it took climbing on the roof, you know, to be able to, like, hold the ends and then secure it into the building um, and then tie it, you know, to different parts. You see that it, it didn't quite reach <laughs> over here at the end. Um, but it was, it was close, you know, and so it's just tying it and securing it Pastor Corey got up on this huge ladder that went to the top of the tree, and, you know, and the ladder's like all wobbly and stuff, and we're like, oh, you know, and um, just to like, uh, you know, tie and secure the, the tarp up to the top of the tree. Um, and so I just want you to, you know, have a sense of like how much it took, but um, it, it, this is a great thing. Um, and uh, it's not perfect. I don't think any of us would say it's perfect, um, but it is a blessing. Uh, and it is God's provision. Um, while I'm at it, I guess I also want to acknowledge uh, Kylie. Uh, I don't know, know where Kylie is. Um, behind the screen back there, upstairs. Kylie, right, painted this backdrop, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Um, she painted this backdrop for our Overcomer series, which goes into, which will go into November. Um, and I'm always amazed, you know, at the way that God has gifted and talented um, people and skilled people in creative and unique ways to, to serve the church, but to serve him most of all. And so I am th thankful for Kylie, thankful for those that can, can serve and, uh, you know, and, and make our experience, right, better together. Um, before I dive into the message this morning, I just ask you to, uh, if you would bow your heads in a word of prayer with me. 
Heavenly Father, as we're joined together uh, online and in person, Lord, I just thank you for uh, each person in our church. Um, as Pastor David mentioned, Lord, people, um, many of us can slip away during this time. It's such a difficult time during this pandemic, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would hold on to you, um, that we would not forget to gather together and to continue meeting, Lord, as you have called us to do as a church, and whether that's in person or online, depending on the situation, that most of all, we would hold on to you. And as we talk about loneliness this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, just minister to us, Lord, through your words um, and through scripture. And I pray, Lord, that we would find comfort in you, we would find hope in you, and we would find strength, Lord, in you. Thank you for this day, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a subject that we're all familiar with, which is uh, loneliness. And I don't think it matters, you know, it doesn't matter uh, whether you're uh, Japanese or Chinese or Caucasian, um, you know, or um, uh, rich or poor, young or old. It doesn't even matter whether you're Christian or non-Christian as far as loneliness affecting us. I think loneliness affects us all, and no one's immune from it, right? There's no vaccine for loneliness. Um, I just want to ask, and just raise your hand um, if you've ever felt loneliness or if you've ever been lonely, right? Yeah, I, I expect to see everybody's hands. I, I think that at points in our life, we experience it. It is, it is universal. Some say that to be lonely is to be human because it is part of the human experience. You know, for those of you that are parents, uh, Pastor David mentioned that Jesus, his wife, is watching his kids. And for those of you that are parents and have, have kids, um, we all have fears for our children, right? I was thinking about this. We have big fears, like their long-term health, their development, um, as well as, uh, you know, what their lives are going to be like. But we also have maybe smaller fears. And one of my smaller fears has always been that my kids go to school or probably like a new school, and they don't have any friends, right? And distance learning kind of takes care of that for now, right? That's kind of a moot point. But it's heartbreaking to imagine our children, your children, any child, I think, going to school and not having any friends, like sitting at lunch and eating by themselves, you know, or like walking alone at recess time. I just think it's, you know, it's heartbreaking. Um, I went to a, a grade school that my mother taught at, and so I went there from kindergarten to sixth grade. And at that, at that school then, since my mother was a teacher there, and I was there for the whole time for grade school, I knew everybody. I knew everybody there. I mean, the principal, you know, knew me. Um, I knew the janitors to school um, because through my mom I knew all the teachers and the faculty and they're always looking out for me but I knew all the kids you know and I had tons of friends and then in seventh grade um, I went on to middle school so this is when middle school goes you know from seventh grade eighth grade 
Um, I went to middle school at a school I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone there. And so at least the first few days or the first few, uh, first few weeks or so, um, you know, I was, I was alone. I felt very lonely. Um, and, and only till I met a friend who was also very alone, <laughs> very lonely, who had moved from another place, um, you know, did I find some kind of companionship and some solace in, in friendship, you know, someone to laugh with, someone to talk to. Um, and I know those are experiences that some of you have probably had, and, and some of those are temporary, those experiences. That, that's life transition, right? You move to another place, you go to another school, uh, you experience that. But I know that some of you have experienced loneliness at a much deeper, more prolonged level. That it doesn't go away, that feeling, either because of your life situation or a transition uh, or losing someone. Um, And and so my heart goes out um, to those who feel that way and those those of us in that situation. Um, and, And I think the Lord has something to say for us in that. You know, even prior to this COVID pandemic that we're in, the world has been suffering from loneliness. Author Morris West, you may never have heard of him, and I, I, I never had before this either, but he says we need to understand that loneliness is not new. It comes to all of us sooner or later. Friends die, family die, life changes, we get old, we get sick. In a society where people live in impersonal cities or suburbs where technology and entertainment replace one-to-one conversation, where people move from job to job, state to state, from marriage to marriage, and I would say from church to church, loneliness has become an epidemic. It's the norm. And Morris West said this back in 1959. He could already see the signs of society and the culture changing, right, 60 years ago. And I think it's only gotten slowly, uh, it's only gotten worse. See if any of these things resonate with you. Unable to connect with others on a deeper, more intimate level. You may have friends and family around, but engagement with them is at a surface level at best. No close friends or no best friends. You have friends, but they're casual friends, acquaintances. You can't find anyone who truly gets you. An overwhelming feeling of isolation, regardless of where you are and who's around. You you can be at a party surrounded by people, and yet you feel isolated and disconnected. Constant feelings of self-doubt and self-worth. And when you try to connect with others, it's not reciprocated. And you feel unseen or unheard or invisible. When you try to engage with others socially then, it's exhausting and it tires you out. See, these are all potential signs of chronic loneliness. And the paradox of our culture is this that we've never been connected, better connected technologically than we are today. We have more mechanisms to communicate, to collaborate, to share with one another. 
We squeeze everything we can out of our phones, our iPads, right, our networks, and our computers. But individually, we've never felt more alone. Did you know that many of the heroes in the Bible, the heroes of our faith, great men and women of faith, suffered immense loneliness? David, the great king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, expresses the depth of his loneliness in Psalm 102. And in this chapter, he compares himself to an owl, you know, a solitary creature. And he says, like an owl among the ruins, I lie awake like a bird alone on a roof. I'm just all alone. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah preached judgment and repentance on the people for their wickedness. And few responded to his call. He is known as the weeping prophet. In Jeremiah 9, he feels so alone that he wishes God would take him away and re remove him from what he says, these unfaithful people. In some ways, I think loneliness makes sense. Scripture says that we are citizens of where? Citizens of the kingdom of God. Right? Not of this world. And God is in a process of sanctifying us. Sanctifying means setting us apart to mold and shape us into his image. And as we become more aligned with Christ in the way we think and the things we value, we begin to realize we are not completely comfortable in this world. Isn't that true? You look at the social environment, you look at the culture, you look at the political environment, you look at the community, you look at crime, you look at these various things, you look how families break apart, and you say, I'm not comfortable with that. That's not what God intended. This is not our home. And I think that's why sometimes we feel a disconnect in family or at work if there aren't other believers around, if we can't share our faith with one another. And I think this can be a part of the reason for our loneliness. Lastly, the Apostle Paul, who we know was persecuted, right, on his missionary journeys, he, journeys, he was persecuted and imprisoned by his enemies, did you know he was also abandoned by his companions on his missions, some of them? In 2 Timothy 4.9, Paul says to Timothy, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me. And then he mentions others who have left him. In verse 16, he says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. See, David, Jeremiah, Paul, and others, they knew what it was like to be abandoned and alone in the world. Our greatest example of loneliness, though, is our Lord and Savior. And when we think of Jesus' sacrifice for us in his final days and on the cross, loneliness, separation, abandonment were a major part of that. As I read from Matthew 26, um, for those of you should be online, you'll see it on the screen, uh, should be at the back of your program for those of you here. Uh, let me read Matthew 26, 
36 through 46, and just try to see how alone in Jesus' grief and sorrow he may have felt. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to, he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he, found them sleep, he, fa he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And so he left them and went away once more and prayed a third the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. After the Last Supper, Jesus is filled with sorrow. You can, you can see it in your mind, right? You can picture the, the, the scene. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He asks Peter, James, and John to come with him. He says, keep watch with me. Have you ever called a friend in your time of need? You know, ask somebody to come over. Can you stay with me? Can you pray with me? I can't be by myself. Right, this is where Jesus was at. But even in his sorrow, and he expressed his sorrow to them, he said, my soul is overwhelmed right, with trouble. The disciples couldn't stay awake with him. Jesus went off to pray, and Luke says that he prayed in anguish until his sweat was like drops of blood, only to return and then find them sleeping because their eyes were heavy, right? You, you know that sort of alone feeling where you're talking to someone, and you think you're trying to, like, talk about something important and connect, and then they're like, eyes are starting to droop, maybe like in a sermon or something, <laughs> You know, they start to get sleepy, and they nod, their head nods a little bit, and you're like, oh, man, I feel, I feel alone now. Um, I, I think that was, you know, how Jesus felt. He was troubled because of what lay ahead. He needed the support. And he was troubled because he knew he, he wasn't just going to be arrested or beaten or crucified. And he, and he knew those things, and, and he knew why. But he knew he was going to be abandoned and that he would have to walk part of this road by himself. That he would be handed over to his enemies. His disciples would flee, right? Peter and others would deny knowing him. And the sins of mankind would be laid upon him. And perhaps worst of all, that on the cross, he would be separated from his heavenly father. Matthew 27, 45 through 46 says, 
From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you might ask, you know, what does this mean for me in my loneliness? As someone who doesn't have many friends, as someone who feels alone in their marriage, someone who feels alone even in their family, or who doesn't have any family, or lives alone, or by themselves, or simply feels disconnected from those around him. What does this have to do with me? You know, first I want you to know that you have a God, we have a God, who knows loneliness. We see it in the garden. We see it on the cross. He understands the darkness of loneliness to be misunderstood that no one really gets you. It's a sad thing to say, but I think this side of heaven, I don't think we can ever completely dispel feelings of loneliness. Not in every situation, because they can be brought on by our physical state or our emotional state or our psychological or spiritual condition. All of these things can make us feel isolated and alone. But we have a God who understands. Jesus walked the road to loneliness, the road of loneliness, to the cross in order that we would be reconciled to the Father. Right? That's, that's basic. Christianity 101. Jesus is the difference maker. He makes relationship with God possible again. But until he is at home in our hearts, we will always feel incomplete and at times lost and alone. He sacrificed himself and put himself in a position where the Father had to turn away from him so that he would never turn away from us. He was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. And so just because loneliness is universal, it doesn't mean that there's no hope. See, that's the irony here, irony here is that we have a God who reigns on high, who sits enthroned above all these things, but he knows loneliness. And because he has experienced it himself, we should not be overwhelmed by it. All this to say is embrace your relationship with Jesus. Embrace him. He sees you. He gets you. He's here for you. Then lean into the body of Christ. Call on your brothers and sisters. Someone asked me the other day, can our relationship with God fully satisfy our loneliness? And my answer was, no, I don't think so. Not that God is not complete, right, and fills us, but part of the way he has made us in his image is that we are social beings. Right? And some are more social than others. Right? But we are all social beings made to connect. And God has made us for a relationship with him and with one another. 
That's why in the Garden of Eden, right, God had uh, Adam had communion with God, and God said it's not good for man to be alone in Genesis 2. That's why in this time of pandemic, right, we are more at risk. Our brothers and sisters are at risk of feeling alone and giving up. We all have an innate desire to connect, and this is God's intention for us as a church. Every believer is part of the body of Christ and should not live in isolation. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the body of Christ and the church, he says, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are to take care of each other. Here in our church, we have various ministries, including growth groups and mercy and justice and compassion care. And if you are hurting or experiencing loneliness or at a loss, please let us know. Right, and we'll do our best do our best to help. We must take care of each other. Let me read a, a story to you about a ministry called Learc. Learc stands for the Ark, you know, the boat, right? Learc is an international voluntary organization that cares for and supports the growth and development of people with mental disabilities. And this story, this short story here I'm going to read is from a book entitled Reconciling All Things, A Christian Vision for Justice, Peace, and Healing. In 1964, in Trosley, France, two men with mental disabilities woke up in an isolated institution, shut off from the world that had little time for them. Useless to the economy that determines success for most of us, these men were destined to be little more than the recipients of mental health services. Meanwhile, in the same French town, a formal naval officer and promising young academic named Jean Venier had just finished his doctoral dissertation. Although to all appearances successful, Venier was lonely. Like the men in the mental institution, he, was, he felt isolated and he was unsure whether anyone loved him for who he was. Veneer had no idea that he shared anything in common with men in a mental institution. In the small French town where the mentally disabled men and the lonely academic lived, Veneer went to the parish priest and he asked him what he should do with his life. The priest, in his wisdom, said, invite these two disabled men to live with you. And, and Veneer did. And this small act of trust and hospitality birthed the first Laarc community. Today, in some 153 communities throughout the world, with over thousands of people with disabilities and their long-term assistance living together, they share daily life in family-like homes within neighborhoods and towns. And while Laarc certainly works to help disabled people reach their full potential in society, Veneer maintains 
that the heart of their vocation is communion with one another between the disabled and temporarily abled across their mutual isolation as they eat together and they transform one another in the process. See what joined this formal naval officer and young doctoral candidate together with these two mentally ill men was their mutual isolation and their loneliness. And together they helped each other. It wasn't just him just pouring out and serving. It was him receiving the healing he needed and the companionship and friendship that he needed. This is the church. This, I believe, is the church. We're all broken and lonely. But with Christ and with each other, we transform one another. Right? We shape one another. And this is why God calls us together as one. Loneliness has become a modern epidemic. And it touches all of us at one time or another. And for some, it can feel overwhelming. But beloved, there is hope. If you know Christ, if he resides in your heart, embrace him, hold on to him, right? fellowship with him, and lean into the church, not away from it. In your time of need, don't turn away, turn in. Turn into the church, your growth group, our compassion care, uh, call, contacting us, the pastors and the staff. Lean into the church, the body of Christ. God has walked the road of loneliness. And he has adopted you and me into his family that we might never be alone again. As I, as I wrap up here, um, we're going to have just a little bit of time of um, ministry time. And, and my prayer is just that the spirit, that the Lord speaks to you and ministers to you um, through just these few minutes that we share. And I'm going to share a few verses, and then I'm going to ask uh, Stephen Okamoto, our youth director, to come up and to pray uh, for us and for you. So uh, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord seeks fellowship with you. He wants to be your God and friend. Open the door for him. Revelation 3.20, the Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God knows that we may feel weak and alone, overwhelmed at times, but his promise to you is sure. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord gives, gives us to each other. And we are one body. No one is to be left alone. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27 says, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. With us.